Most people think that breakdowns are competency-based breakdowns, um, but a lot of times, it, almost a majority of the time, in my experience, it's it's attitudinal. And even I could argue and do often that even most competency breakdowns are attitudinal because they know, I know it's not working. And I can say that it's because I don't know how to do something, but if I've not known how to do something and I've been paid to learn how to do something, that's back to being attitudinal. Do you have any antagonists on your team? You know who I'm talking about, the ones that fight against all change, the ones that raise concerns without offering any solutions. Then this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down and talk about the levelers on our teams. We call them levelers because they are those who try to level out any change or initiatives that happen in the company. How do you tell the difference between a troll and a maverick? A maverick is somebody that challenges ideas and actions for the sake of the team mission. A troll is somebody that is there to just put a stop to it, who feels threatened by change and is worried about their ability to keep up with it or affect it. And towards the end of this conversation, we talk about the dilemma that happens when you have a troll on the team, but they're a strong performer. They do good work, but they're terrible for the culture. I can't wait to dive in. Let's go. Dan, Adrian, gentlemen, it's so good to be with you. I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. Me too. Good to be here. So as per usual, uh, these topics come to me typically when I'm in a coaching context or a coaching call or, so, or a challenge I'm working through with a client or that, you know, a challenge that we're working with a, a client together. This one in particular, I was, I'm, I was in a conversation the other day with a COO essentially of a um, pretty big brand in the TV and movie space. And she has a new vision something she's absolutely committed to creating in the culture of her team, something that has been missing, something that she's determined to create with others. And I asked her the question, I say, you know, what could get in the way? What's the challenge of actually implementing this and, and creating this on the team? And she told me about the CMO who is, from her perspective, somebody who is a roadblock. I call it the antagonist. Dan, in the Change Imperative book, you call it levelers. Yeah, another word for it would be saboteur. Yes. Somebody who stands in the way of yeah. what it is that you want to get done. Or and this is not... Under, or undermines it. And, or, and, and they don't think they're saboteurs. In fact, they think they're, they're doing the best thing for the company, but it's really the best thing. They've mistaken their agenda for the company agenda. And so they sabotage. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it turned in this really interesting conversation about how can she be with this person? He's not going anywhere. He's an essential part of the company. He's good at what he does, which is, you know, a lot of times levelers are, can be very effective at what they do like what the part of the company that they own but not as effective in the collaboration on the team well, I actually want to talk about that um in just a minute but you know he's not going anywhere she's still determined so what do we do now 
And this is a common experience. I mean, having I'm in this conversation with probably two others currently um, mm-hmm. that they're wondering, I've you know I've got this person on my team. They really perform well. They really get their job done. They're good at what they do. In the culture, they can be a roadblock. They could be somebody who sabotages what the change that we're working to make inside the culture. So I wanted to bring this conversation to. Uh, to you two and really get a hold of how is it that we can be with these people in a way that we can make a difference, not in spite of them, but with them. And, uh, and, yeah. oh, go ahead, Dan. No, no, I just thinking, uh, you know, the distinction saboteur is a very dangerous one because there's, there could be a canary in the cave that's trying to warn you about the impending disaster that's on its way. And they could look like a roadblock when they are actually um, the possibility for the next future, like what's next. And so being able to differentiate between those two is important. So I think the first thing we do is we chunk down, would be wise to chunk down, well, let's look at and explore what the saboteur looks like, like what language, what behaviors, what do we feel, what shows up around the saboteur? And then we can distinguish that against the, I don't know how to say it, I'd say the, the guide, the hero, you know, the, the messenger, the advocate, the messenger, the advocate for the vision. They're so into the vision. They're so into where the company is going. They're willing to risk their stand with you or their, their relationship with you to have you see whether or not, uh, I call it the prophetic voice in the organization, uh, you know, because they're willing to risk themselves for the future that the organization is committed to. Yeah, so much, so often, somebody taking a what like taking a stand is unconventional. It looks outside of the norm. It can look like it could look like a saboteur to you, okay. Adrian. Uh-huh. You you were uh, getting ready to go on something. Um, well, I mean, just based on what you were just saying. It's um, anybody that's raising the bar, um, and that could be raising the bar for the future. It could be raising the bar the bar for the moment. Um, usually shows up like a threat. Raising the bar for the future is like the 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 person that actually believes beyond what the conventional thinking in the room is thinking, yeah, and it'd nice. be easy to see an example of that. Like, oh, I think we can actually instead of twenty million next year, I think we can do twenty five. Like yeah. that decision to believe that's possible, at least to set context for how we think about where we're going. But also, you know, the other threats are when somebody when somebody in, raises the bar in the moment, which is usually around the person that's willing to be the most distinct about what's happening yes. and get really specific around what's happening, like a really clear accounting for current reality, what's working, what's not working, and what's wanted and needed. And, you know, I, the, the flash to my mind that doesn't, doesn't connect to those ideas as you were talking about this person, I actually just think about college playing football and this guy named Ryan Miller. And Ryan Miller, when we'd line up to go do sprints, he would he would kick it in full gear, and I hated him. <laughs> because it's they're like, like what are you trying to prove? What are you trying to prove here, man? Listen, together we lose. 
we're just we're we're just chilling here. We're not going to kick it in. We're, this is eighty five percent. And look at you out like a gazelle, you know. Anyway, like I was just you know, a couple of metaphors that I'm thinking about around how this shows up when someone actually um, eat both either raises the bar for the future or raises the bar for the moment. Yeah, Dan, I I'm a founder. And I'm, I am hiring you to come in and help me identify, is this person, uh, is, is this person a troll or is this person a maverick or is it a, you know, Joan of Arc or, you know, is this somebody who's standing for something bigger and we just can't recognize it? Or is this somebody who just wants to, uh, create a wave or feel, feel some power or something like that? Where do you start? How do you start to identify where this person's at. Well, yeah. Are they a Benedict Arnold or are they uh, a Paul Revere? Is what, you know, which one are they? I was just thinking, oh, what archetypes can we use that would click? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, initially, I think the key is what are they aiming at? And that takes some investigation. Like a Benedict Arnold is going to be con- a Judas, a Benedict Arnold. Think any way you want. You know, there's all yeah, kinds of I love. I love all of these archetypes. Yeah. So what are they going to be concerned about? Well, if you look at their stories, they're concerned about their own agenda. And they're ultimately not willing to sacrifice anything. Right? They're not willing to sacrifice their position. They want everybody else to sacrifice around them. And what they're going to do is they're going to be doomsayers. If we do this, here's what's coming. Yes. Now, I there may be truth in that, by the way. It, it, the point, point is any effective Benedict Arnold or Judas is going to have some truth. It's just the frame they put on the truth. So that's why it takes some discipline to break it down. And, and so to break it down is to understand what they're aiming at. Are they it? Who's this really for? Because ultimately they don't want things to change because they're afraid the way they they want it to look and how it's serving their personal interests go at stake. Yeah, it would be threatened, right? They might lose right. this this level but, of quote unquote comfort that they have. And in in working with organizations where we've done turnarounds, they usually have their own little fiefdom within the kingdom. They have their own crew. Fiefdom. The fiefdom, yes. Fiefdom is a small kingdom within the kingdom, right? Got like, it. So the king is, it's feudal. You know, it's feudalistic. You have a king, he, you're living within the walls of the kingdom, and you have, you're like, you're like a little mafioso. You have your own little crew. Yes, and as long as you pay your dues, you can do your thing. Then all of a sudden, the king decides to shift the game or change, or, or you know, up the game, as Adrian said, take the bar up, and it exposes me to loss. Like, we're all going to need to invest in this, and is it worth investing in it? And if it's not, how come? Okay. And what, were you, what you usually hear first is they're going to drag their feet. They're not going to be forthright. They're going to, they'll do things like they're going to try to enroll the people who are in the middle of the road, right? When somebody announces a change or takes the bar up, you're going to have about 20% of the people all in. They're excited. They know the change is needed. You're going to have another 30% or 40%, 50% actually, who are in the middle of the road, probably something like that. And then you're going to have another 30% 
who aren't going to want the change because they've made a living at the level that they've been at up until that point. Uh. And and so now the, and the scary thing is, the temptation is to give the attention to the whiners, the complainers, but you must listen to them. So there's got to be a way to vet them in a way to understand who's really standing for the vision, who is a Paul Revere, and who is a Benedict Arnold. Um, and so that the, you can find that out because the Paul Revere is a going to be, they're going to be speaking, they're going to be giving you their perspective and the potentialities both of winning and losing without having to be so personally invested in it that they can't hear you. Yeah. They're not going to be gossiping. They won't be gossiping. They won't be creating little, what I call covens of gossip, little that to undermine people's certainty about where it's going. They're going to want to test their ideas against yours, and they're going to sharpen you in the discussion, whereas the other school is going to come fairly accusatory, and any and they won't, you will see that they are not trying to integrate what you're putting up into what they're saying. They're going to be positioned, and they're going to try to persuade others behind the scenes. That's the what first thing. That, that's the big thing, man. Gossip destroys a team. Um, yeah, it, one, it sounds like to me one of the one of a, a significant dif- differentiator between these characters is one is willing to stand alone. Yes, yeah. and, and that's that's the you know that's the uh, the person who is for the aim for the target, yeah. and and the other one wants to enroll does not want to stand alone. They want to enroll people. So as to protect their stance. Yeah, there's a difference between alignment and competition. The The prophetic voice is, one, is aligned with the vision and is going to work to stay aligned, and they're going to have an open hand about it. They're going to listen to feedback, and, and you're, you, you may want to kill them as much as you want to. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, may, you may, because they're going, to, they're going to say the things you don't want to hear, but they're going to be able to, bat, they're going to, be able to give you some thinking behind it. And yeah. Then, and then they're going to move with your thinking if you're thinking solid. Yeah. They're not that, going to that's be That's what pissed. I was... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was yeah, just saying, uh, Chad, when you said willingness to stand alone, I lifted up my notepad because that's exactly what I wrote down, um, you know, a few minutes ago when we started this. Because I, th- I think that's one of the distinctions is like a someone that is stirring it up for the sake of the future is willing to stand alone. Mm-hmm. Someone that's shaking it up for the sake of themselves, they almost need to stand alone, right? Uh-huh. The aloneness the aloneness for the one that's advocating serves its purpose because I must get out of the crowd in order to talk to the crowd. And, and, and once, to your point you just made, Dan, I want to be aligned with the leader, so I must stand over here so they can see me and understand the distinctions and invite the leadership into a conversation. If I'm there as a saboteur, I need to stand alone. That's part of my identity is I cannot be a part of the current leadership. I actually need to keep myself yes. distinct. And that could be by themselves or and, to your point, a lot of times they recruit others as a part of their gang yeah. to agree with them. But then that group stands alone and it cannot, it cannot afford alignment. Because it it gets its power out of being distinct and being smarter than and wiser than and better than 
and blah 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 in the competitive view that you just said. If I was running, if I was running this place, oh I know. I Can you believe this guy? <laughs> you know, I he he really doesn't. I think he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he's in over his head. He's over his skis. It's impossible to talk with him or her. Um, it, the competition produces all kinds. It, it's in competition with uh-huh. the with with leadership versus aligned with leadership, and for the sake of that alignment, bringing up difficult conversations. And you can tell because not only will they, they'll have difficult conversations, someone who's aligned is going to have a difficult conversation in the appropriate way. Appropriate meaning it can be vetted and tested and challenged and worked through. And and there'll be a solution that people are working towards to your point, Adrian. Whereas yeah, the other yeah. ones are gonna they're 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 not gonna want to vet their ideas. They're gonna it's gonna be can't they're gonna be my way or no way. Yeah. yeah. It's it, the distinction you make, Adrian, is is way more poignant than the one I was making, I think. And and it it's it's brilliant in that, you know, it's it's way more egregious that position of like I'm standing alone just to stand alone. Like that's my aim uh-huh. to stand out. And if I can recruit people along the way, then I win. Uh-huh. You know, rather than we win when we're, you know, when we find out that something that we're doing is not working, which would yeah. be the stand of the maverick, right? Something yeah. here's not working. I'm going to operate in that. And those who come, come and we're going to do something meaningful <laughs> rather than, if I get you to stick with me, be a stick in the mud, then I win. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team discussing financial decisions with a partner or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. Let me yeah. let me give you some very, some kind of very specific ha- uh, transactions that I've seen happen in organizations that we've done. One particular organization we did a turnaround with. There was a, a group of people who didn't want the change that the CEO was lining up, and they were 
didn't want to change because it threatened their agenda. And rather than, and so we'd have meetings to talk with them, but they wouldn't show up to the meetings. They'd show up and they wouldn't show up in force and they wouldn't say everything that was there. And then they would leave and then on Slack, they would Slack to the general organization the things they were dissatisfied with rather than speak directly. And so they were actually trying to move the organization through Slack, which is one reasons why, one of the reasons why we started creating etiquette for Slack. Like this, this medium is good for certain things, but if you have an upset, you got to go to the person you're upset with, then you got to, and then work appropriately so that we don't, because once you, if I do it on Slack, everybody gets offended. Then I get reconciled. Well, then everybody's still offended. They, right. They don't know what happened. Right. So that's a big deal is, is watching the means by which somebody brings their complaint or their uh, feedback, or whatever they uh-huh. have. It's a big deal. If, if they're bringing it to you and it's directly to you or to the team, the leadership team, it's worth listening for to if they're yeah. flashing it on to the organization before they even talk to you or after brief conversations with you, or they, they somehow use that medium to try to leverage you. And in today, in today's culture with this whole canceled thing, every, you know, the whole extortion racket that can tends to come up, uh, it, it can be quite distracting quite quickly, especially with the technology we have. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, recruitment's, you got a lot of good tools for recruitment right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's so interesting because, you know, any great technology, they, it's that old saying, I don't, I don't remember the, I cannot remember the physicist that said it, but anything that has the power to bring life has equal and opposite power to bring death. And yes. so, you know, if you start to, that, that thing about AI, right? That's that's really the the struggle right now that's going on. So there are people who are foresighted to know and see that wow, this can bring great life, but because it can do that, it also has the equal and opposite possibility of creating disaster. Yeah. So, you know that yeah. that's something to think about when you're when you're doing this, right? And and you can see who's it shows up pretty quick. The key then is, you know, to be able to identify it and then form a strategy we can well, talk about well that. i was just yeah i was just thinking about you know me i'm trying to usually find phrases but the you know b- belief sorry behavior reveals belief or something like that i'm just thinking like like yeah. the because people can have a great idea but if it's if how what they do with their great idea and how they do it and how they show up with it how they presence it what they talk about that actually reveals the motive behind the idea, which is usually, that's where culture is, right? Culture is not what's the best idea. It's actually the uh, environment in which the idea lives. To sound kind of weird when I say that. Well, the, but conversation, that's, the conversation around the idea. Yeah. That's right. The, the purpose, yeah. yeah, the employment of the idea. If it's, meant to, if it's meant to disparage or if it's meant to, if it's meant to encourage. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And that's how yeah, someone, like the, the that's utility. how the presence is it. Yeah, yeah right on. Utility. Yeah, yeah and, and so much so much nowadays, the, the measurement of the utility is attention. Uh-huh. Right, how much attention, I'll do anything. Just like, 
well, how much attention does it get me? <laughs> That's uh-huh. the currency that the utility is is shown in. It could be simple stuff. I mean, you could hire somebody. That's why I like. I like the idea of doing uh, a ninety day look period because people ought, they come in ready to do the job that they've made up is the job in their mind. No matter how much you've given them a job description, you've done orientation. Part of the dance in the ninety days when you're looking is to look and see how they're integrating into the culture. And uh-huh. how they're making their ideas useful or not in the process of their work. And that's that's always good to coach with. But oftentimes people are, they want their ideas to pay the price, not them. You know, I want my idea, if it, you know, and if it doesn't go, there's something wrong with you, right? Because uh-huh. the idea is good. But I don't want to get in there and understand what you're, what you're making up about the idea to see if you really see what I see and to understand the bottom line. And one of the, one of the, well, how are you at, if you did this, what would go at stake for you? Cause I could offer an idea and be completely out of touch with your background concerns and what that idea may mean to you and the organization. Right. So I could say, Hey, we ought to implement a certain software. Right. And because I think it'll really help us, it'll help us manage our, our commitments but I'm not really. I haven't really thought about what that implementation implementation is going to do with the engineering department, or like what kind of impact does it meet their needs, or does it does it meet HR's needs? Like whose concerns aren't met in it? Have I done my homework? Am I willing to hear it? Am I, or am I just going to beat the drum and and then start playing games to politically manipulate the thing in, which often happens. Uh huh. Yes. Because some I was people. Just thinking- People won't speak up. Yeah. 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 I was thinking a great question to ask somebody at the end of their 90 days is, who do you find yourself talking to the most and who do you find yourself avoiding? That'd be really helpful just to, if, if the point of it, and my, for me, the point of it would be seeing how someone's relate, seeing what someone's generating or not generating and seeing how they're relating and be good to see what they're already making up around the gangland. Who's in charge? Who talks to who? Who can I talk to? Who uh, who do I stay away from? Oh yeah, they told me not to talk to her. Work around her. All that. Like if you're a boss listening to this, it's a, it's good to get connected to someone's biases and why they're making that up. And it you know because there's a future baked in all that. To use Dan's analogy, who are they aligning themselves in the prison yard? Uh huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> like <laughs> what? <laughs> that tells you so much about their aim, where they're at, and 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 that can also show you. As we talk about differentiating, you know, between the antagonist and the and the and the person taking a stand, that can also tell you like where are they aligning themselves in the culture and with the people that are there. Uh, I, something else that's really common in this topic that I've come across, and I don't know if you guys have heard this from working with your clients, is that it comes up often that hey, I've had this person working with me; she's really good at what she does like really good and she's really bad for the culture and you know she she it can become a stop to other projects um she can stifle or people are are um not offering their input because of her reactions uh-huh. you know stuff like that um when you look at that like people 
um, founders and leaders are holding on to these people because they're really good at producing, uh -huh. but they also might be a leveler. And how would you approach that conversation with with the founder, with the leader who's dealing with this, making a decision, what it seems like a decision between having somebody who really produces and has done a good job and also is a detriment to the culture? I had a coach once who said, there's only two breakdowns. And he told me, so there's only two breakdowns. And this guy, I love this guy. He coached me for years. He said, "There's either it's either a competency breakdown or an attitudinal breakdown. And he said, you know, competency breakdowns are far easier to correct than it's, attitudinal it's... breakdowns. And, you know, he used to say, hire for attitude. <laughs> because... If the attitude's right and they have decent competency, you can always improve. If they're great at competency and their attitude's goofy, you know, it's sideways, it's detrimental, as you say. There are more than one. They're going to create other, because they're performers, those who are going to be plenty of those who admire them and are going to follow their attitude, confusing the two, their competence mm. with their attitude. So, you know, his point was, because I came up a number of times in companies I had either run, and I, I actually destroyed one of my companies because I didn't pay attention to that. In fact, the guy who left, he's a very dear friend of mine. He, uh, he lives in Italy. He said to me, remember what the coach said, competency, attitude. I'm, And this guy was like the canary in the cave for me. He, he was always the contrarian, but with a good heart. He was always committed to the vision. And I would look to him. I'd, I'd bring an idea or somebody would bring an idea. And I would listen to him because he was always so diligent to, for the vision. Like he wanted to make sure the quality of the work and the, what we're shooting at really was going to occur. And, what, and he was great at being selfless at it. And I'll never forget when he left. I, I, that was the beginning of the end of that company. Because I, I didn't... I, I didn't stand in a way I, I i think what i did is like i got i oh, i went with people who would agree with me and wouldn't wouldn't they couldn't take the 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 interruption and the challenge that this guy could and i i wanted that around me is what i think i wanted I yes that. people and it's i i've seen it you know you see extremes of these might be at elvis presley and michael jackson you know uh, uh howard hughes i mean you could look at these different and I saw that in myself. And I, a company I built and was very successful caved because I didn't, I, 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 I surrounded myself with people who would do like this and then go do what they wanted to do. And shake their head, yes. Yeah. And then I wouldn't go address it because I didn't want the conflict. Right? You know, it, it was, the truth is, I was done. And I, if I was honest, I would have just said, I'm done. I'm going to go. You guys take it or sell out or whatever. <laughs> It's it's yeah. how I, it's one of the ways I find out I'm lying is when I'm unwilling to have those conversations. Then there's something oh. going on inside me I'm lying about. Uh -huh. Ch Chad, remind me of your question. So it was around, um, you know, making this decision between having a good performer, but ah uh, yeah, got to be a leveler, okay. a, a detriment yeah. to the to the culture. Yeah, and I love with Dan. Dan, who was that coach that that? set up that framework for you so long ago. His name is Eddie Jacobs. Eddie Jacobs. I use that all the time. I didn't know that I stole it from you that stole it from Eddie. 
Um, yeah. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> uh, and, and I, and borrowed, I, 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 I yeah, borrowed it. Use it. Thanks, man. He, he stole I it from somebody I think he got else. it from John Hanley, honestly. From John Hanley. <laughs> and John got it from Plato or whatever, wherever everything goes back <laughs> to Socrates. It's so, been passed but, along. But, you know, when I, when I, I talk about that all the time, just because it usually illuminates the issues, most people think that breakdowns are competency-based breakdowns. Um, but a lot of times, it, almost a majority of the time, in my experience, it's it's attitudinal. And even I could argue and do often that even most competency breakdowns are attitudinal because um, they know. I know it's not working. And I can say that it's because I don't know how to do something. But if I've not known how to do something and I've been paid to learn how to do something, that's yeah. back to being attitudinal, right? I don't want to learn. Yeah. I don't ask for yeah, I think that I know better than everybody else around me, and I'm going right to fix. I'm going to fix what's m messed up, even though what's messed up got me here. Right, right on. So to your to your question, Chad, which I think is really important, because this is the way. I mean, m most of the mischief by the time people get to us, you know, this boil has been growing for a long time, <laughs> or you know, this the wound is deeply infected, and it's time for. Uh, Time to lance that puppy. Um, that's and nurse, this is that's a true there nurse it is. Brother. There it is. No, no need to sterilize it. It's getting messy. Um, the it's so tempting to. It's a short term, long term game. First way to look at it. Short term, long term. You know, it's like I'll keep this person around because they bring in revenue, and we need the revenue, so I got to keep them around. And they're a high performer. Um, I'm thinking about a client right now around, I uh, ran a big firm and 12, 12 partners in it. And one of them was the highest performer and she was the biggest lone ranger. So short term, long term, the, I think what conversations usually needed is they also have such a, it's a hidden superiority to the performer in this way that they assume that it's it's a lot of superstition or it's really fragile. So if I go in and speak to the tornado, it'll change and I don't want to mess it up. So just let's leave her alone. Nobody talk to her. Leave her alone. She's doing fine. You know, don't go in and challenge. Um, and that's where they end up selling out, end up prostituting themselves and like don't go in and play for the biggest game, which is to go talk to this high performer they they're high performing around execution but they're not high performing in leadership because leadership generates results through other people and if i'm really high performer but caustic to other people then i must stay on an island and i end up getting put on an island um so having a conversation zooming out around their own desires and their own legacy in the firm and getting them talking about what their deepest interests are. Because if you do that, there's probably a lot of dead-end roads between their current activity. They can't even get to what they say they want because of the way they are, because of their presence, because of their the way they sabotage their own vision. So I would, if, if you're a leader that's committed to long-term, then you better realize you're like juggling, you know, a nuclear weapon, you know, when you like, are dealing with these things like if you just sit by you're you're giving permission and even higher than that you're probably actually you know celebrating them in public 
and people know that, you know, maybe this person's good at what they do, but everybody hates them. And if you keep celebrating them, you're already painting a picture of the future that if you're going to yeah. stay here, you got to work with this person and they suck to work with. <laughs> well, and it, you know? what it communicates is we want you to be a tool, not yeah. a leader. Right on. Yeah. That's right. Right on. Yeah, we don't really, this is how we're all, you know, how can, you can really show up in authentic. Yeah. Because you can toot the horn about co- company values, but the, but the one of the people you've given lots of seniority to, at least in, even if it's not positional, it's influence. Um, then you can really sabotage all that. So it's risky. I mean, I get, I get the risk that founders are in, you know, yes. I get how it occurs to them like a threat to go have a conversation and it might be the, the, it will take, definitely take the most courage. Um, but you don't know how good, how impactful, how effective they can be if you help them see beyond their, you know, if they be, if they start to become one that actually wants to live out their legacy, like take this brilliance and teach it to other people, take this brilliance and mentor younger people. Yeah. That's, a, that's impactful for folks. I <laughs> worked with a tech firm that, um, bought up another firm, uh, bought up a, uh, basically a, a, a tech firm in, in the, um, in the internet content space. And they bought the firm because there were some really good designers and, and engineers. And the guys that ran the firm sold, sold out and came to work for this tech firm. And about, um, about a, two months into the, the merger, we were, we were, they, they actually hired me to come in to help them clear up some resistance. They couldn't, they couldn't get the product to move down the line. It kept stopping the work. There was a blockage. And the blockage was they had brought this company on and as they got, and, and it couldn't figure out why they couldn't get past this one point and it was getting really expensive. And so I just went in and started talking to people and I, there was a, I met one of the leaders who came over from the other company was I heard him talking in the in the lunchroom to another to a couple of his engineers he brought over about how flawed the vision of the founder was and that what he was doing and I could hear him he was asking them to develop what he anticipated the founder would move to because the founder would eventually come to see what he saw and the engineers were I would say Kind of unwittingly going along because they'd worked with this guy forever before they came there. And I went back to the, the CEO and I said, listen, there's a conversation you need to have with this person, this this leader, and this is why. And he said, oh, I don't want to do that because the other guys may not produce. They may not, really? they may leave with him if, if he goes. And I said, well, what happens if he stays? And the the leader was really re- hesitant, and it took us two months before we got to it. But within two months, there were two companies in one. This guy had enrolled five or six other engineers into the idea that he had and how that was a better idea than the founder. And now you have a schism, and here's this guy paying his, his payrolls about 400000 a month. And 200000 of it was working against him, or... 150,000 of it was working against him. And 
the minute we it took us one month to clear that up, we fired some people and got it straight. In the next two months, we produced more than we did in the previous eight months. Wow. With less with less people, the payroll dropped to about two fifty, and we produced more. And they were happy, and the and the thing was humming, and actually did well. So those, yeah, you know that. I just wanted to give some like that. That's what it shows up like on the. And I could understand the CEO's concern, right? He just bought this company. What would the board say if he lost some of the top people that came over they were supposed to help? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's clear. I, I I had a similar, well, not a similar, I had an interesting uh, conversation with a client where the the leveler, the troll, had actually enrolled him. Oh, wow. Into how they relate to the younger generation that's coming in to to that would ultimately be the leadership in this in this organization and and yeah he was enrolled in that attitude towards them it was it was quite fascinating and he hadn't even realized it how he had accepted the background like like do you know what interest that the leveler was engaging the ceo in like was it a protective like a protection racket or like what yes yeah absolutely absolutely um, you know, the, the idea around it is that these younger, um, performers that are coming in, you know, it's the whole generation conversation. Oh, they're lazy. They don't care. They don't pitch in. They don't see the needs, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So he, and was, instead protect- of- he was setting up to protect them against the laziness and the lack of performances that these guys were ultimately going to do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and obviously there was a certain level of threat there for the troll, for the person who was right. um, working to, to convince the culture of that. So, so interesting. Um, this is a, gr- this is a great conversation. Well, breaking up those conversations, a whole art and science in itself, right? Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's interesting because you find out what hidden motives, they come to the surface when you start to ta- have these conversations. And that's right. what's at stake comes to surface. And then you find out, are you willing to stand alone? Because if these are the times when in leadership it takes that willingness to stand. Look at Elon Musk with Twitter. He fires thousands of people. The thing runs better than it did with them. I mean, in the heat that he's taken to do that. Yeah. Pretty intense. Yep. Very intense. Thank you, gentlemen. Yep. Good to be here. Thanks, man. Love your brilliance. Love spending this time with you. Yeah, thank you, Chad. Really fun. Great. Keep coming up with those good subjects. Yeah, that's right. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next week, bye-bye everybody.